Topics with Jason Edgar. I am your host for the next 55 minutes. Excited to be joining you live Thursday, October 22nd, 2020 at 2 o'clock. I think that little, uh, I did that as a, you know, a duo one time. I don't know why it suddenly came to me. I think it's because things are getting spooky. We're getting suspiciously close to Halloween, and that means the, 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 the membrane between the living and the dead is getting more and more this week's show is brought to you live from Morton College Radio on 99.1 FM WZQC The Q. The views and opinions expressed at Oops All Topics are not the views and opinions of Morton College or Morton College Radio. Oops All Topics is also brought, uh, I'm sorry, presented by the Oops All Topics Network, reminding you to always lose your fear and find your voice. What happens when you lose your voice, Edgar? Follow or direct message me on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at the Jedger, and that's what you do when you don't got a voice. The voice is just the, the sound that comes out of your mouth hole. But can you have a voice on Twitter? Can you have a voice on Instagram? Can you have a voice on TikTok? Of course you can. Follow, share, download the show at oopsawtopics.podbean.com and subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts. And just a thing about oopsawtopics.podbean.com, that's where you go to not just get this show. But you also get my speech class audio where I give you some real wicked fire public speaking advice every once in a while. But you just got done listening to Unreal Talk Show at 1 o'clock. Like, I'm so excited. I don't even know how that sitting just came out. But I will tell you, every Thursday from here on out, 1 o'clock Unreal Talk Show. That's Unreal at 1. And then you got Oops All Topics at 2. That's your Unreal Topics rock block. <laughs> and then you're going to have that same block. Tuesdays at 1 and 2, but for a replay. And also, whenever Neil decides to uh, run it throughout the the week, he can run it whenever he wants, because that just means more people are listening to us. All right. Anyways, errors and omissions. I have been wanting to talk about this article that I've been holding holding on for a while. And so, uh, this comes from, this is from 2016. This is an old article. Let me just read it. Ramen noodles are now the prison currency of choice. So it may have changed, but whatnot. So let's see what happens in 2016. Upon a time, cigarettes were the currency of choice when those behind bars needed to barter. But these days, American prisoners are trading with ramen. So says Michael Gibson Light, a doctoral candidate in the University of School of Sociology. He spent a year interviewing nearly 60 inmates and prison staffers at one men's state prison, which he kept anonymous to protect his sources, housing thousands of inmates. He presented the findings this week at the, uh, at the meeting of the American Sociological Association. There was an entire informal economy based on ramen, which the men often refer to as soups. Gibson Light told me via email. Prisoners use it to hire other inmates for services like cleaning out their bunk or doing their laundry or purchase goods on the black market like fresh fruits or vegetables, which aren't sold in the commissary but are sometimes smuggled from the kitchen, he says. As one inmate told me, you can tell how good a man's doing financially by how many soups he's got in his locker. 20 soups? Oh, that guy's doing good. So what's behind the ramen rise of a de facto prison currency? It's super cheap, super tasty, rich in calories, and readily available in prison commissaries. At a time when cutting costs at detention facilities has many inmates complaining they're not getting enough to eat. So, wow. I mean, they're just, they just try to make it as terrible as possible there. And, like, what do you think of whenever you think of ramen? You think of, like, just the bottom of the barrel. Except those of you that just love ramen. Like, I don't know why. I mean, I like shit. I mean, I'll, I'll get it. I'll get it. Without any time, give me some of that ravioli. I'm not going to do it a lot, and I really just do it for sustenance. I'm not going to cook it for tonight's dinner with my with my wife and mother-in-law, or uh, I might give it to Frankie, but that's about it. 
but what they what what we kind of see is like the lowest bar is what is the highest bar in prison. Like you literally said it there. If you got nine soups, that's what they call those little uh, ramen packets, then you're doing pretty good. And it doesn't matter where you go, there's always going to be an economy. There is an economy in Game of Thrones. There is an economy in prison. There is an economy that we're in right now. When you get more than three or four people together, there's just an economy. Have you ever been on a float trip in southwest Missouri? Once you get on the river, you have something called river economy. You might have cigarettes. You might have some <laughs> illicit substances. You might have a beer. You don't, you don't think the people on the, on, like, floating down rivers are like, hey, I'll give you this beer for a cigarette. Like, oh, I lost my lighter. I'll give you a six-pack for a lighter. Like, that's all, 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 all that stuff is happening. It even happens with chips. I'm not even going to put that with errors and omissions. What chips do with bananas. They, too, hoard bananas. Oh, and we're intellectually inferior. Are we? We've got people in prison that are hoarding ramen noodles. And you're probably hoarding cash right now, right? Is that what you look at every morning? That's what I look at. What's my bottom line? How many soups have I got in my locker? Buy prison ramen. You turned out to be lackluster at best because you were from 2016. So who brought that up on my agenda? Who 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 produced that story? I mean, I'm the only one on this show, so I, I don't know really how I got there. But let me put monkey economy in there as an addition. Okay, we're not going to get into the sports bubble. This might be a little mini bubble. But anyways, I've been talking recently. I think I said it last week. Where I I, I, I threw down some some uh, I, I paraphrased that the Seattle Seahawks have the worst defense in NFL history. Now, that could come off as a Seahawks hater, right? Like, oh, I hate the Seahawks. They have the worst defense ever. Ever. <laughs> but I'm not a Seahawks hater. I actually like the Seahawks. When they wear those, like, like dark blue uniforms with their Seahawk helmet, like, they just, they look like a really strong Super Bowl team. I don't like the Chiefs simply because they look like ketchup and mustard. But I digress. I like the Seahawks. I like Russell Wilson, but currently they house, according to statistics, the little worst defense, and they're going to shatter this NFL record for most yards allowed. This comes from Pro Football Talk Talk Sports. The Seahawks are on pace for an NFL record they'd rather not break. Seattle's defense has allowed 2,356 yards this season. That's not just the most in, in, in the NFL this year; it's a record pace. At their current pace of allowing 471 yards a game, the Seahawks would allow 7,539 yards in a 16-game season. That's by far the worst ever. Only one team in NFL history has allowed 7,000 yards in a season, the 2012 Saints, who allowed 7, over uh, 7,042 yards. The biggest difference between those Saints and these Seahawks is the Saints went 7-9 in 2012, but the Seahawks are 5-0 and this season. So that's the thing. They're going to have the worst defense ever, but they're 5-0. and doesn't that sound like your current Super Bowl champions, Kansas City Chiefs? Remember how atrocious they were? There was a time where they had the best offense and the worst defense. What is going on in football right now? You just got a bunch of literal chimps <laughs> that are on defense doing whatever they can, and the offense is just scoring every day. Now, there is a little bit of a slant to this. You've got to kind of put a little asterisk to it because the NFL is constantly changing rules on what you can do to the quarterback and to the receiver. You used to just be able to tackle the receiver in midair. You can't do that anymore. You used to be able to have like a really massive hit on the quarterback, and you can't do that anymore. Like you gotta, and, and the whole purpose of that is to kind of like change defense and make it a little unsettling for guys like Khalil Mack and at Chicago. 
and it makes and it makes it easier for the quarterback to throw the ball, the receiver to catch the ball, and then there's more points, and that means people. I mean, there's like uh, there's more points for uh, gambling purposes, and there's more points for people that are scoring fantasy football. So it's almost like the NFL is like just trying to regulate defense out of, uh, of, of the league, and it's indicative with Seattle Seahawks, who I mean have just such a great offense and are five and zero. How can a five and zero team have the worst defense ever? It's just it's so strange to me. We will keep our eye on that new story. <clears throat> I had an oh, uh, I had an error. Or I don't. This person said that <laughs> they didn't think it was that bad, but they did find it like so much fascinating that they wanted to message me and say that I said it. But apparently, last week, whenever I was saying, I, I was talking about how the Democrats are a big tent party, and you don't want to generalize all the Democrats just running around being gay and running around being black. <laughs> that does sound ridiculous whenever you, just, whenever you just say it out loud, and I guess I do have it on tape. What I meant to say in my 55-minute impromptu speech is that it's, 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 it's better for me to say diverse. The Democrats are all running around being diverse, and that's kind of what we do, right? When you look at conservatives, when you look at Republicans, when you look at the individuals that wanted to kidnap the governor, I'm not trying to correlate all those individuals, but anybody who tends to lean conservative, anybody who tends to lean Republican, it tends to be very, very white, okay? Now, there's a few instances of people of color and Hispanics being in the, in the uh, Republican Party, and that's okay. Uh, Hispanics might be in the Republican Party, even though Republicans are kind of uh, hateful towards immigration because, A, Hispanics want other Hispanics to do it the right way. I've heard that from Hispanics. And additionally, what are Hispanics? Catholic. And Catholic individuals do not agree with abortion. So they tend to lean conservative. So don't think that, like, you know, the Democrats just have Mexicans wrapped around their finger or Hispanics wrapped around their fingers and they don't. Democrats have to answer for pro-choice, and Democrats have to answer for uh, some sort of uh, <coughs> porous uh, border policy. And, and, and black individuals, like, there, I've, I've certainly seen black individuals. There's even black Republican senators uh, in Congress, and it's probably because they're either pro-life or they just support the Second Amendment. And it's just things that it, you don't just, you, you don't, and I think Joe Biden got in trouble for this by saying, uh, if you don't vote for Joe Biden, you ain't black. Like, and I even said it on my show, like, you can be conservative and, and, and not like Donald Trump. It's, it all comes down to your guns and abortion. And that's what individuals who are people of color that support Republicans, and it's fine. Like, at least that's a good enough answer. But if you're supporting Donald Trump just because he has racist point of views, that's where you're wrong and where you're going to get called out by, you know, uh, not intellectual society, but uh, modern-day society that just wants a sense of normalcy and decency. Uh, and and I, I, that's why I put all that information out there, like follow or direct message me on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, because that gives us some fodder for the, for the, uh, for the show. And by the way, listeners, this show is a 55-minute impromptu. I have some notes, but I haven't practiced them. And every once in a while, I'm going to say things like run around and do crime and be gay <laughs> and not mean it. All right, let's move on to media consumption. Have you all heard of the game Villainous? Villainous is a game kind of company that is putting out, um, you, you play the villain. It's almost like Magic the Gathering meets Disney. 
and, but, but much smaller games, much more like condensed games. I have never played Magic, but I think Disney might do it better. But anyways, what you do is you kind of play the villain, and when you play this game with another person and you're, you're playing it correctly, what you're kind of doing is you're, you're kind of creating your own Disney movie. That's not the point of the game. The point is to win and to you know, achieve your mission and whatnot. But just the way that it plays out, it's like it's almost telling a story as you play the game. So my immediate presumption is playing this villainous game uh, because I, I bought uh, villainous uh, Marvel edition for the family, and it's so awesome. Like, you get to play as Thanos, and you have to collect the Infinity Stones. Or if you play Ultron, there's always, like, a really easy uh, game type in the villainous games. Uh, Ultron is the easy villain to play in, in, in the Marvel game. And in the game I was just talking about, it's like Prince John. Uh, but anyway, you get to pick which villain you want to play, and then you try to accomplish their goal during the game. Like, if it's real, the goal. You're going to have to do something in your game that's going, to, that's going to gather up all the Dalmatians. I just got talking about how if you play Thanos, you play the game and you're trying to get all of your Infinity Stones. Villainous Marvel is better than Villainous because it's it's they they've learned from whatever mistakes that they made in Villainous. I don't think they did, but now it's like you have like multiple interactions with like the fate cards. I know I'm getting really specific with the, with the game here, but I'm getting to a point. Uh, but you get to also like activate, and your character gets stronger as the game goes on. And you don't quite get that with the first Villainous game. So what I'm trying to say here is, is if you like Disney or you like Marvel, like that's a lot of individuals out there, and you like board games, try out Villainous. It is so fun, and it's a it's a game, so it's going to be expensive. It's going to be between thirty and fifty bucks wherever you live, but it's fun, and the game is different every single time. One of the reasons I don't like playing Monopoly is like it's the same game over and over again, right? I'm going to try to get the orange pieces because of their relationship with the uh, with, uh, with with the jail. But other than that, it's the exact same thing over and over. Capitalism, right? And Catan. I love Settlers of Catan, but essentially it's the same game over and over. Uh, yeah, I, I would say the same thing about Ticket to Ride and Carcassonne. Like all of our games. But Villainous? Villainous like changes every single time you play it. Uh, more media consumption. How about some social media? Folks, if there is a version of social media that is like Venom and Spider-Man, like it is... It has attached itself to me, and I, I have become a freaking TikTok fanatic. I, I was just looking at my phone. I had 20 drafts I'm working on. And even saying to you that I had 20 drafts just kind of goes to show you how deep it is it, it, I am into this, uh, into this social media platform. I wouldn't say it's addicting, but if you want to pump out content, you've got to put some thought into it. And I, and I, and I, I equate it to very, very micro uh, theater productions, right? Like, for me, I've got kind of like this costume I've kind of like pigeonholed myself in where I'm like wearing my mask and, uh, and a t-shirt with like this sports coat, and I have to be like in the, so I'm like, I, I have like a stage, I have a costume, and in a way I kind of have like lines, but what TikTok does is that it does all of the sound production for you, and this is exactly why I like it, because I could pretty much pull off like a, a, a solo production if I wanted to, of like at a theater performance. I could do like I, I don't want to do it, but I could do like a one-man show because I know every aspect of theater, but I don't understand the technical aspect, and thus I wouldn't be, 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 do it very good, very very well. But to put out the content of TikTok, the hard part is done for me, 
And so all I gotta do is I gotta insert all of my, I don't wanna call it talent, but what I consider talent into the app, and I'm gonna be able to create content. Now, am I gonna become so famous that I'm gonna stop doing neutral topics? No, I never will. And I don't expect I'll ever make even a dime off of it, but it's so fun. It's so addicting. And, and that's me. Like, I grew up doing media productions. I grew up doing theater productions. Obviously, I'm a speech teacher. I'm a debate coach. It just, it really just leaned into it. Like, imagine a math guy who finds it, like, no, he must just love the calculator app, right? And that's the reason why I tell you to follow me on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, because I've kind of, like, this villain character that's kind of, like, consumed me right now has certainly consumed my social media. And it's such a difference between 2016 and 2020, uh, the two elections. Where in, where in 2016, all I did was Facebook. All I did was just post out there, like, here's my political take, deconstructed, deal with it. And it was just so hateful. And now, in 2020, I'm not even on Facebook, and I'm doing, like, TikTok and Instagram, and I'm just, I'm trying to make people laugh, and I'm trying to present my, my political and philosophical point of views in, like, little snippets, and, it, and just make it just so impossible, not to argue, but it's like, my opponents are going to have to get so much better at TikTok to even get on my level. Does that make any sense? Like, I just, I've, I've almost, like, I, things like Instagram almost feel stale anymore. And, and trust me, I have an Instagram, and I'm posting stuff on Instagram daily. But it's just, w- when you are forced to do something else, it, it's so much harder to get the politics into TikTok. Because you have to subscribe to whatever sound you're going to uh, mimic. Or you can create your original content, of course. I can just put my original content out there, but I'm not, I don't really care or want to. I just want to just insert that sound. Okay, I've talked enough about TikTok. <laughs> Okay, so more media consumption is tonight's debate, and this will be my discussion next week if you kind of want to plan around your Oops All Topic schedule. This debate coach of 16 years is going to give you his final analysis of debate. But before we get to that, I have an article that it comes from Pew Research from July 18, 2019, that says Americans say the national political debate has grown more toxic and heated rhetoric could lead to violence. Uh, President Donald Trump's recent attacks on fir- four first-term lawmakers, so he's talking about the squad, so this is like last year, all women of color triggered an impassioned response for House Democrats who overwhelmingly backed a, tr- a House resolution condemning the President's remarks. This is just the latest chapter in a long-running debate over what language is appropriate in political debates in the United States. A recent Pew Research Center survey examined Americans' attitudes about this topic, including Trump's impact on political discourse and the potential risks from incendiary rhetoric from elected officials. One, large majority of Americans say the tone and nature of political debate in the United States has become more negative in recent years. And that's from 2019. It's gotten even worse in 2020. Number two, Donald Trump is a major factor in people's views about the state of 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 the nation's political uh, discourse. So let me go back to this next one, or this first one, where it talked about how people think it's become more negative. More than 8 in 10 adults, 85%, say that political debate in the country has become negative and less respectful, according to a survey conducted this spring. About three-quarters, 76%, say it has become less fact-based, and 60% say it has become less focused on issues. Folks, I didn't even know this argument, uh, I'm sorry, this, uh, this uh, article existed. I want you to go back and listen to my That Wasn't a Debate podcast, and I tell you, 
what you need to have a good debate, a constructive debate. It's got to be a friendly exchange of information. It can't be destructive. I'm saying that to you, this debate coach. And the debate commission has got to do everything in their power to make it less destructive. And one of those ways is muting the microphone, and that's what they're going to do tonight. That's going to be the weird thing tonight, which is going to be for the first time in a long time, muted microphones. Now, they didn't mute microphones in 2012. They didn't mute microphones in 2016. The reason they muted microphones in 2020, it rhymes with Donald Trump. That's why they're putting muted mics onto the individuals so Joe Biden can talk to the American citizens. And that's where our democracy, you can see it eroding. A wannabe authoritarian interrupting a presidential candidate, that is eroding our democracy. We need debates to occur because we need to see Trump and Biden be authentic in their discussions. Okay? You can't argue this unless you're just wanting to be a troll or just wanting to be toxic. Number two, Donald Trump's a major factor. A majority, 55%, say Trump has changed the tone and nature of political debate for the worse, while fewer than half as many, 24%, say he has changed it for the better. One in five Americans says it has little impact. So again, with the old article, my land, I need to start uh, doing something where I'm like paying attention to uh, what I'm, uh, what I'm, at least, the, at least the timing of what I'm referring to. I know some of this stuff is coming up is going to be very recent. Right, time for the sports bubble. I might, have, might not do a lot of sports bubble today because uh, I think my audience doesn't want to hear so much of it, and I can really go off if I wanted to. That, not if I wanted to, but I'm like, every, I feel like I could just go down a rabbit hole. That one day where I talked about how good LeBron was, like, how long did that go? Like 10 minutes? But I digress. Okay. So let me tell you a story. I was told by Cowherd and Kornheiser and Wilbon and everybody on earth that the Atlanta Braves were the best team in baseball. So you know what I did? I, oh, I was a little late. I was a little late to the game. But I was like, all right, tonight I'm going to watch the Atlanta Braves. Because in my experience, the Atlanta Braves, like in the 90s, they were the team that like would always get to the national, like the, 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 the semifinals or the finals, and they'd always lose. If you're my age, you remember the Atlanta Braves always being in the playoffs. you know how many times they won the World Series? Once. Once. In that whole time. And the only reason they won that year was because they had a slugger, Fred McGriff. It was a Fred McGriff or David Justice. They had sluggers. They tried to do it always with pitchers. I'm doing it now. I'm just going down a rabbit hole. But the, the Braves always tried to do it with pitchers. I remember, like Maddox, Smoltz, Avery, all these names. Am I rejawing some memories here? Well, the new 2020 Braves, I'm like, well, that, I mean, there's got to be a whole new batch of Braves, right? There's not going to be any Chipper Jones here. So I turn on the game. It's literally the bottom of the first, and the Braves are down 12 nothing. <laughs> This is the best team? Am I even, I, I thought, I, am I on the right channel? Is this Falcons versus whatever? <laughs> is that a football score? And it's the first inning? It's the first inning and it's 12 nothing. This is game three, by the way. And they're not, they're not in the World Series now. They fell apart. As, the, I tell you, I had a jinx. I told LeBron he wasn't going to win, uh, this year in the Lakers, uh, they wouldn't even got the first round. He won the championship. And I'm telling you, as soon 
as soon as I got a sniff that the Atlanta Braves were doing good, they started tanking. I am cursed. Jason Edgar is cursed. I have a sports curse. So, something interesting about both baseball and football and basketball is look at who's, like, winning and look who's doing really good. First, it's basketball. Los Angeles. It's the Lakers, right? Okay. Who's in the World Series? Tampa Bay and Los Angeles, right? Who's doing really good in football? Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay and Los Angeles are doing very good in sports. You've got Lakers and Rays winning their respective sports, at least if the Rays can uh, win the World Series. But the Dodgers are in the World Series, too. So either the Dodgers, if the Dodgers win, that means two championships for Los Angeles. Or if the Rays win and then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win, then it's going to be two for Tampa Bay. So it's like those two, those two cities are like really duking uh, it out, so to speak. Every week, I give you my, uh, my my Super Bowl prediction. If we're in like week six or week seven right now, I still want the Chiefs in the uh, in the AFC, but in the NFC, I, I'm really torn between Seattle and the Buccaneers. But how can you how can you even think that the Seahawks are going to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the, in the championship game if they have the worst defense ever? The worst defense ever going up against Tom Brady with weapons. What? And on the other side of the ball, sure, you got Russell Wilson doing his thing, but have you seen Tampa Bay's defense? They're good. The only people they didn't push around were my Chicago Bears. Don't you hibernate on my Bears. And here's where I'm going, and I think Aaron's going to like this. Buccaneers, Chiefs. That's your Super Bowl prediction. It is literally changed every week. Buccaneers, Chiefs. And then, this next message goes to my friend, Will Blankenship. Who literally laughed at me? And Joseph, you, you remember this. I think you remember this. But in, during our draft, I was like the fifth or sixth guy to go. I was excited to draft Derrick Henry. And Will Blankenship, my, one of my best friends, was like, oh, that's a terrible choice. I wouldn't go with him. Dude, he is literally the MVP. He is dominating. Like, imagine it. Okay. Imagine, like, a nine foot gorilla was allowed to play in the NFL. Wouldn't everybody want to have that nine-foot gorilla? And he was really good at one thing, running the football. He was like a running back. Running back chip. Nine feet tall, 300 pounds, and all muscle. Wouldn't you want that guy on your team? Well, let me introduce you to Derrick Henry. Next time you can watch the Tennessee Titans play, watch Derrick Henry. He's literally bigger than everybody else. And I drafted him, and he crushed it. He's an absolute beast. And if the Titans win the Super Bowl, it's because of him. And, and Tannehill, their quarterback, is like, now that they're, everyone has to focus on the running game, that gives him a little bit of leeway to actually throw the ball, and he's looking like a good quarterback. That, that type of football is way better. Because what would you rather have? Give the ball to like a really awesome running back, and you know they're going to give it to him every other play. Or somebody who just throws the ball all the time and half the time it misses and it's like everyone's just sitting around. A missed pass play is so boring. But every time you run the ball, like every other time you're like, ooh, you, you have like a visceral reaction. I, just, I, I don't know. I'm starting to re-fall in love with running football. And that's the sports level. All right. And I think it's time now to talk about our presenting sponsor, and that is 
Morton College. Did you know Morton College offers 17 associate's degrees in applied sciences, five transfer program degrees, and 40 career certificates, including programs like forklifting, pharmacy, welding, and vet tech. Not to mention the number one nursing program in the Chicagoland area. Did you hear that? The number one nursing program in Chicago is at Morton College. Speaking of which, that college, Morton, is excited to offer day, evening, online, and hybrid courses during the fall, summer, and spring semester to meet, to meet the demands of your busy schedule. I'm there right now. I'm there right now, those of you listening in traffic. Morton is clean. We are doing our thing. And there comes a point where my implicit credibility is going to start coming into play. I have been at Morton College Radio for the past nine weeks, Tuesday and Thursdays. I have not gotten sick. I am at Morton College, working, doing things with my students, hanging out, doing stuff, laying down some sick TikToks, and I've never been helping. So what does that mean? That means our, our school nurse is doing an awesome job. Every time there's even a whiff of a COVID, of a COVID uh, outbreak or something, which there's not, there's like one student every like two weeks, we're alerted. And I'm just telling you that if you don't have a job or you're like a student that like took like a, a, a gap year or something, like whatever it may be, if you need to get some schooling, come to Morton College, you can do face-to-face classes. It's clean. It, it's, it's funny that you like you're you're leading off with clean, but isn't that what you want in COVID in, in COVID 2020? We've met the pandemic successfully. We have said no to the coronavirus on our campus. So, whether you're looking for to transfer to a four-year school or earn credit towards your career, Morton College has the classes and schedule for you. So, for more information, call 708-656-8000. Look them up on Facebook. Definitely look them up on Facebook right now because yours truly is like some sort of like uh, they did like some sort of featured spotlight, and I can't see it because I don't have a Facebook. That reminds me. Listen to my old episode on why Facebook sucks. <laughs> or visit them at www.morton.edu. I am done. Thank you, Morton College, for presenting us. All right, let's move on to Corona Live. It's getting worse. You'll hear Trump say rounding a corner, but that's because he's wanting to push a narrative that things are great. Things are not great. Things are getting worse. Oh, Jason, you're just saying that because you're in DuPage County. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in DuPage County. And we can't even go to restaurants anymore. Like last night, we had to go to a restaurant because we're going to get shut down again. Uh, is this is just you, Edgar. No, it's not. Forty states are in a zone called uncontrollable spread. Hey folks, this is so embarrassing. It's embarrassing and it's scary. And, 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 you, and the reason why it's like this is because we are so pandemic fatigued. I've talked about that before. We just don't take things seriously. It's our, our just innate freedom and our ability to just think that we're just badasses that can just like do whatever we want. COVID be banned. It, it, it's causing problems. It's, it's causing death. It's causing the positivity rate to go up. We just haven't learned anything. And I, and I, I keep going back to that. Like, what, what, what has changed since March, sanitizing-wise, and has it worked? In the United States, no, it is not. 
going down the, the, the correct lane down at uh, 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 the grocery store. That isn't worse. Everyone wearing a mask. Even wearing a mask, it's getting worse. Social distancing doesn't matter. And I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but it's like if we were seriously doing all these things that we that it seems like everybody ought to be doing, this it shouldn't be as bad as it is. But it's worse. And so what I'm saying is all these things we are saying that we're doing don't seem to be working, which means every single person, our 350 million Americans, have to commit to all this stuff. And we just can't. Because 35% of the country supports Trump, who doesn't wear a mask. It, it's just frustrating. That's the corona life for you right there. It's just frustrating. All of our poor, like, social things that we spo- are supposed to do, like, they're just they're transitioning now to this pandemic because it's like, what, what else are we going to do? Like, there's going to be, there's no help from the government coming because Mitch McConnell doesn't see eye to eye with the White House, the, the Senate leader. And then after that, we have a lame duck session for three months or two months or whatever it may be. And whatever Trump destruction happens whenever he's moving out. So it's either we don't get anything because Trump can't do anything or we get Joe Biden, which isn't doesn't take really serious effect until at least January 20th. And so restaurants have just transferred to takeout, right? Like, all your restaurants, your favorite restaurants, are probably doing some semblance of takeout. Your movies now are just streaming. Casinos are online. And I don't know what you do with a buffet. I mean, buffets must just be really bad. Like, if I had a CC's pizza near me, I would order a pizza a week if I could. We just adapted, and, and people are like, well, I guess if I get it, I get it. And that is not the case. That is, that is not the mindset to have. Because that mindset is going to hurt your elderly family members. Well, if I get it, I get it. Well, what about if your elderly family member? Or what about somebody in your family with a comorbidity, like they're obese? My my extended family that lives in southwest Missouri, oh, like they are just so overweight and they are so conservative. Like I'm just, I'm so worried for them. And it's like, oh, I get it, I get it. Oh, really? you got two comorbidities. Chief. So, a couple weeks ago, the New York Times put out an article that said the coronavirus unveiled by Carl Zimmer, October 9, 2020. In February, as the new coronavirus swept across China and shut down entire cities, a scientist named Tsai Li set out to paint its portrait. At the time, the best pictures anyone had managed to take were low-resolution images in which the virus looked like barely discernible smudge. Dr. Li, a structural biologist at Xinhao University in Beijing joined forces with virologists who, who were rearing the virus in a biosafety lab in the city of Hengzhou. Those researchers doused the, the viruses with chemicals to render them harmless and then sent them to Dr. Li. Dr. Li and his colleagues then concentrated the virus-related fluid from a quart down to a single drop. He could only hope that they had done everything just right so that the weeks of work to produce that drop would not have been a waste. At the time, you don't know what inside, Dr. Li said. It's just liquid, right? Okay, so essentially what he wanted to do is he wanted to see what it really looks like in its most clearest form. And so he eventually got to a point where he was able to do it. They're just overly explaining the whole process. But, it, yeah, it looks like it's, uh, it looks like it has like a couple of uh, almost like black olives in the middle of it. And then it's surrounded by kind of like that uh, sunburst type thing. He could see thousands of coronaviruses packed in the ice like jelly beans in a jar. They were beautiful. 
report over the viruses. This article, I just been so bad on viruses lately. Talks about SARS-CoV-2. I thought this was going to talk about uh, what it does, but it doesn't seem like it does. It just talks about what it looks like. So that's not really a great article. Yeah, I mean, I guess that was a nice little introduction to COVID. And here's the saddest part. I don't have a bright side of COVID. I was driving down the street the other day, and I was thinking, man, there's something that's good about something occurred that was like, oh, I could do that for the bright side of COVID, but I just, yeah, I forgot it. So, yeah, my apologies. <laughs> All right, before we transition into our second half, uh, I just want to remind you that you were listening to Oops Talk Topics on Morton College Radio, 99.1 FM, WVQT, the Q. The views and opinions expressed on Oops Talk Topics are not the views and opinions of Morton College or Morton College Radio. Oops All Topics is also brought to you by the Oops All Topics Network, reminding you to always leave your fear and find your voice. Follow or direct message to me on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at The Judger. Follow, share, or download the show at oopsalltopics.podbean.com and subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts. Maybe if I had more listeners, I would have to say all that stuff on the phone. No more followers. I'm going to post one of my most popular TikToks in the next few days. It's, it was the easiest one to make, and it was by far the silliest. But I think because I hashtag WAP and hashtag Cardi B, I got way more, I guess, listens or spins than I normally do. All right, let's move on to some election talk. Uh, again, I'm not keeping a strong eye on the Supreme Court justice appointment. It irritates me, and it's going to happen whether you like it or not, unless someone deflects. Uh, that could be like Romney, but even then, you need one more person from the Republican side to deflect, and they've all said that they're not going to. So, it looks like Amy Comey Barrett is going to be on the Supreme Court, and if that happens, I guarantee you, Joe Biden is going to consider not packing the court, but making the court even. Stop using the phrase court packing, okay? If, if that's what the president needs to do to balance the court, then so be it. He has the power, especially if he has Congress and the Senate. Okay? And by the way, both sides do this. As soon as either side is in power, they try their hardest to take less, to take more power away from the other side. And so that's what Joe Biden is going to do. He's going to see an overwhelming power in the Supreme Court, and he's going to say, hey, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, working up two more Supreme Court seats, I'll balance the court. And then that's what it's supposed to do. And in that instance, it gives Democrats more power and Republicans less power, and that's the tug and pull. So, Trump talk. Did you guys hear what Trump said at a rally in Erie, Pennsylvania? He said he didn't want to be there. <laughs> he said, um, I have to be here because I'm losing in the polls. And that was his pitch. <laughs> like, he just has, he has nothing to run on. And he, and he blamed the virus. And he's like, I was doing good until the virus. I don't know what you want from me. Leadership. That is what we vote for for the president, leadership. That's what you vote for for the mayor, for the governor, for the reps, for the senators, and for the president, is to lead us. That's why as an American, it's like Trump is our leader right now, and that's why it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that he doesn't know how to smell, spell the word smoking. It's embarrassing that he doesn't know how to spell the word hamburgers. It's embarrassing that he tweets in all caps. Because he's our leader. I'm not saying it as an anti-Trump or a pro-liberal type thing. I'm saying it because I'm a concerned citizen. <laughs> and ask Republicans. They wish he would stop tweeting. 
when you tweet all morning and then you go golfing, you're not tweeting. No, Obama wasn't leading whenever he was golfing or whatnot, but you certainly saw him doing stuff on the Capitol Hill. And whether you like it or not, Bush certainly did stuff in Afghanistan and Iraq. <laughs> did stuff. Oh, my man. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm going to watch 60 Minutes this weekend. Because <laughs> I'm 74. <laughs> I'm kidding. So there's, a, there's this interviewer named Leslie Stahl. If you've seen her, she's a woman of a certain age with, like, you know, gray hair, uh, white hair. You've probably seen her on CBS. And she went to the White House and she interviewed Donald Trump for 60 minutes. And apparently this interview came to an abrupt conclusion because, for whatever reason, they didn't get along. So someone wrote an opinion piece on why Trump's endgame is to rage at Leslie Stahl. And this, by the way, this 60 Minutes uh, show is, uh, is going to be on Sunday if you want to watch Trump versus Leslie Stahl. Now that President Trump has gone on the attack against CBS's Leslie Stahl, some observers appear puzzled. Why would Trump squander his final chance to close his big polling gap with Joe Biden on unhinged public fights rather than on winning back voters who have been alienated by exactly those sorts of meltdowns? The fact that this comes after Trump waged a public assault on Anthony Fauci, his own leading infectious disease expert, only seems to compound the folly here. Since voters are surely looking to the popular Fauci for advice with the coronavirus again spiking across the country. But in a very real sense, people such as Stahl and Fauci actually are the chief opponents Trump contends with in the campaign's final days. They are the figures he perceives to be standing in the way of his effort to conduct his campaign in an entirely invented universe that he'd hoped to manufacture for this very purpose. Trump unloaded on Stahl at a rally on Tuesday night, showing that he'll still that he's still stewing about an interview he did of a 60 Minutes, which is set to air on Sunday, but apparently went very badly. Okay. So the rest of the article just talks about uh, why, uh, why the interview went bad. But the reason I brought it up is because... Because that, that's his only game. He has a narrative for his supporters and moderates that he wants to, to win over that, A, the pandemic is doing fine, Fauci won't say that, and B, he wants journalists to say that it's doing fine, Leslie Stahl won't say that. So that's the reason why Trump is attacking Fauci and Stahl, because he has because they're in, they are the ones that are in front of his narrative that coronavirus is, quote, turning the corner. No, it's not. And especially if it is turning the corner, we're not going to listen to you tell us that it's turning the corner because we don't believe you. You're on record lying literally tens of thousands of times. Okay, yeah, that, okay, that was a good article. That, like, made perfect sense. The reason why he was attacking Fauci and Leslie Stahl is because he wants to say that the coronavirus is doing well, uh, I mean, is doing bad, I mean, whatever side you want to say that argument, in that Leslie Stahl should report that it's doing good. Let's see here. I had, like, the October bed. I don't even want to give credence to the New York Post story about Hunter Biden corruption because it is riddled with disinformation, misinformation, and propaganda, okay? They're trying to allege that the, that the laptop has... Uh, has child porn on it, so that's going like, to piss off the QAnon people, pardon my French. Uh, they're going to say that it's got something to do with Burisma, and that Biden is involved. 
and, and Giuliani is only 50-50 certain that who gave him that laptop was a Russian operative. So now the FBI has the laptop, and I'm going to put this in my areas of omission. We're going to continue this story uh, on, on Hunter Biden's laptop. And if it shows that Russian propaganda is on there, like that's just going to take the entire October story. But no one understands that story. No one understands what Joe Biden did wrong. Trump, or Eric Trump, who says this is the biggest political scandal in history. Okay, explain it. You can't. Because in reality, what Joe Biden did was made things in Ukraine less corrupt and made things harder for his son to get more money. That's the truth. Are you really believing things from a computer that Rudy Giuliani got from a computer salesman or a computer laptop repairman who's physically blind, by the way? That's another thing. The person who's been handling this laptop is certified blind. Want to talk about the path to the White House? This is Joe Biden's best electoral path, according to CNN Politics. A big question heading into this cycle is whether Democrats' best path to winning back the White House ran through the Sun Belt or the Great Lakes. While we won't know for certain which pathway was best for them until the votes are actually counted, the current data shows a pretty clear divide. If former Vice President Biden is to win the election, his best chance probably runs through the Great Lakes. That's, that's right around the corner for us. Two new polls out Sunday morning, so this was five days ago, are dem- demonstrative of a larger trend. Biden was at 51% to 46% in a CBS News YouGov poll in Wisconsin, so there's a Great Lakes uh, state. CBS News YouGov also found Biden at 50% to Trump's 47% in Arizona, as, as a result well within the margin of error. These polls taken in isolation wouldn't be that noteworthy, but they speak to a larger aggregate. Uh, Biden's up in Michigan by 8 points, Wisconsin up by 8 points, and Pennsylvania up by 7 points. He is crushing Trump in the proverbial blue wall of Michigan, Wisconsin, and Nebraska. It gets a little bit harder for Nebraska, seven points, Arizona, four points, and I, I told you, whenever, whenever it's in the, the five-point range, you have to unfortunately spot Trump five points, and then Florida's five points, and North Carolina's three points. So you can almost see North Carolina and Florida going to Trump, but Arizona and Nebraska being toss-ups? Nebraska, that's one of the reddest states I've ever dri- driven through. And Arizona is wickedly conservative. And those are toss-ups? And he's winning Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania by eight points? There are some there are some old white people in Michigan who tried to just, like, kidnap the governor. And, and they're still telling us that eight out of ten people in that state are uh, voting for Trump. I'm oh, no, sorry, voting for Biden. So we will keep our eye over the next two weeks on the Great Lakes uh, and, and how in uh, uh, the election and how they are doing with um, and, and who's winning those states. All right. So, man, I've got a huge thing to discuss, and I only have three minutes left. Yeah, not, that's not going to happen. Uh, I have just spoke for so long. I feel like I spoke about my errors and omissions for like 20 minutes. Biden, my time is done. I have nothing in weird science. The weird science was supposed to be kind of like that that unveiled coronavirus-like uh, picture of it. So that kind of flopped. Uh, what I wanted to do was I wanted to talk about uh, uh, voting third choice this year, but it doesn't look like I have very much time left to do that. So what I will do is I will most certainly probably talk about that next week. Uh, is next week going to be my Halloween episode? 
It is. And I've already got a couple of topics that I'm going to talk about. We're going to probably talk about the Mandela effect. And we're also going to talk about the weird trend of making your children sexy costumes. Yuck. You're going to have to tune in for that. Okay? 100% for sure. So now what do I do for two minutes? Like, this is a huge topic, and I just, I don't have... <laughs> I don't want to start the discussion. It's about third choice voting. Oh, how about this? I posted a TikTok uh, about protest voting. Let me just give you an idea of what protest voting is in case you, uh, in case you, you see this TikTok. A protest vote, also known as a blank, null, spoiled, or none of the above vote, is a vote cast in an election to demonstrate dissatisfaction with the choice of candidates or the current political system. Protest voting takes a variety of forms and reflects numerous voter motivations, including political alienation. Along with abstention or not voting, protest voting is a sign of unhappiness with available options. If protest vote takes the form of a blank vote, it may or may not be tallied in the final results. Protest votes may be considered spoiled or depending on the electoral system, Canada has none of the above votes. So it's basically someone who's not excited about Biden or Trump, and then they put Bugs Bunny, or they put Ronald Reagan, like the, the Maryland governor. Uh, you put Kanye West or, or Dwayne The Rock Johnson. When you know very well that the two people that are going to be potentially the president in the, next, in the next two weeks is either Donald Trump or Joe Biden, and you don't vote for those individuals, then you're throwing away your vote, and it's a protest vote. And my argument is nobody will hear your protest vote. <laughs> Sorry. That's just the way it is. So next week, uh, I'm going to have a Halloween episode, and I'm going to talk about that spooky third-choice candidate. Uh, or I'm not, I'm not, I, want, I do want to talk about ranked-choice voting for sure. But I'm going to end my show today with one of my favorite songs going uh, on, uh, sorry, on the radio right now. So before I go, I just want to tell you that this week's show is brought to you live from Morton College Radio, 99.1 FM, WVTC, the Q. Oops All Topics is also presented by the Oops All Topics Network, reminding you to always lose your fear and find your voice. Follow or direct message me on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at The Jedger. Follow, share, or download the show at oopsawtopics.podbean.com. And last but not least, subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts. Okay, so this song is by the Brothers Osborne. I think it's a country song. And it's called It Ain't My Fault. The opposite of that would be personal responsibility. But this has got what I call a buttery beat. So, I will see you next week whenever we talk about third choice voting. And until then, be sure to lose your fear and find your voice.
Cicero. 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 Cicero.